Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. In a lot of places where people are taking their liberties with the Bible, they're taking their liberties with Christianity, and um, as the culture changes and evolves and becomes okay with certain behaviors, there are people that say, you know, God's okay with that now. Really? The Bible says that he changes not. I'm not playing with that. I'm not going to make God okay with something that I can read in black and white or red that he ain't okay with. I just got to say he's not okay with it. Even when it becomes culturally unacceptable, God's not okay with that. Truth isn't subjective. Go back a few centuries and the idea that the earth was flat was a commonly held belief. That didn't make it true. You could find numerous examples through history where cultures have pushed certain ideas as truth only to realize later they were completely wrong. As Pastor Bill will remind us in today's message, God's Word is the ultimate tangible measure of truth we have access to as humanity, and we need to treat it like that. Our feelings about it don't affect its validity. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 27, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Pastors and parents and anybody in authority over other people, we got to be humble enough to be okay with getting hit with something we don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's a, that's, I, you got me right there. I'm stumped. I need to go pray about that. That's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't want to just shoot off the hip and just give you some answers so I look like I know everything. It's like that, that, if, if you get hit with something you don't know, a good leader is going to be able to say, I, I need to go before the Lord on that. That's what Moses does here. Moses doesn't lean on his years of walking with God, doesn't lean on the fact that he's an authority. He doesn't lean on, he doesn't, he, he also doesn't say, well, we've never done that before. So then I guess that's not what we do. That's something that hinders the church where people get so into a rut of, you know, well, we, that's not what we do. Well, is it what God wants to do now though? Maybe you've never done it before for whatever reason, but is it what God wants now? We, we got to always leave room for God to speak new and fresh. Amen. And so Moses says, man, I, I got to take this before the Lord. And he brings it before the Lord. Look at verses uh, 6 to 11 now. And the Lord responded to Moses. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, the daughters of Zelophit speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, so now God says, you know what? I want you to give them an inheritance. They should get that. They're, you know what? What they said is right. And God sets new precedents for when this should happen in the future. So he says in verse eight now, and you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the relative closest to him and his family, irregardless of sex, and he shall, he shall possess it. And it shall be to the children of Israel a statute of judgment, just as the Lord has commanded Moses. And so out of this comes new instruction. God says, you know what? What these girls say is good. That's a great thing they brought up. I, you know, this is what we're going to do from now on. And so he gives them this instruction. He goes out. So I would just say this to the credit of these young ladies. They brought their issue to the Lord. The issue that they're bringing to the Lord is even brought in faith because they're asking for an inheritance in a land that they're not in yet. They're not in the promised land yet. 
but they're, they're headed there and they believe that they're headed there. So they believe they're, they're women of faith. And it was quite courageous for them because kind of like, you know, Esther, as she went before the king, you know, for Esther, it could have been life or death when she went before the king. For these ladies, for them to show up, this is a, this is an unfavorable, in that era, this is an unfavorable thing for some girls to step to leadership and say, hey, we want to we challenge the, you know, the, 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 the norm, right? The norm here is that this happens, but we want to challenge that. And even though in that society, it would have been wrong, I just want you to note that God usually doesn't roll with what's right or wrong in society, right? It's what's right or wrong before the Lord. So even in that culture and that society where women were kept in a certain place, God says, no, they have a right to bring that and they're right and you're going to give it to them and they're going to have a land and the inheritance. Now, when he gets passed on to a daughter and she gets married, then, you know, she's an heiress. Uh, it gets spread somewhere else. And so his name still ends up dissolving. And so in chapter 36, they they kind of fix that part of it. But here God says, you know what, give them give them inheritance in the land. And so I would just say this to us as believers that we shouldn't be afraid to go against what's culturally acceptable and normal. I think in order to walk with God in the, the land in which we live, in the culture in which we live, you have to be willing to go against what's okay and acceptable and normal in our culture because our culture is very carnal and very sinful and very messed up. And so I titled the message Passing the Baton and I would just say this before we move on to the next section. This dad who's dead has passed on something to his daughters which was faith, belief in what God said he was going to do for the people of God, belief in where God was taking them and it was enough faith in them that they couldn't just sit by and stand by and with the thought of we're not going to have an inheritance in the promised land where we're going. They said, we, we want this so bad. We're going, to, we're going to go forward and do something about it. And I would just say that about faith, that faith demands that action. You, you can't believe and do nothing. You can't have faith that, that the faith that doesn't do anything is dead. So their faith made them move out. It's evident that God was pleased with their faith. If you're writing notes, you can write down Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, which says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right. God says, I, I, those who come to me must believe that I am and that I'm a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. Faith pleases God. These ladies please him and he granted their request. And God gave some new instructions for what was to take place in Israel from that point on. And so now starting at verse 12. We pick up with Moses and we're, we're pretty much going to be coming to the end of the life of Moses. And Moses now has got to get ready to pass the baton. He's got he's got to get ready to hand it over to the one that will take over after him. So look at verse 12. It says, now the Lord said to Moses, go up into the mount, this mount Abiram and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. And when you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. And so God tells Moses, Moses, you know, I want you to go and see the land. I want you to go up on this mountain and I want you to see the land that I'm giving the people of God. When you see the promised land and after you see it, you're going to die. Now, everybody remembers why Moses doesn't get to go in. If you don't remember, I'll, I'll remind us, you know, God had at one point, you know, had Moses out there with these complaining Israelites and they said, oh, we, we're thirsty. And Moses prayed and God said, hey, take the rod and strike the rock one time and water will gush out and water the people and everything was done and they were getting on Moses nerves and we read the story and I, I 
I'm going to say, you know, so I don't sound holier than I am. I could kind of understand Moses' point of view. There was a, they were constantly just nagging him and just, man, how come you brought us here to kill us? And I'm like, it just, it was nonstop. The kind of stuff that, you know, it just wear you out. Just droves of people complaining all day long, but then he got in the flesh. And they came one day and they just, ah, they complained and they went Thursday again. And he said, you rebels, he yelled at the people and he took the rock, the, the rod and he struck the rock, tw- the rock twice and misrepresented the Lord and he messed up a biblical picture. Interesting thing was God gave him water out the rock anyway, right? God still took care of them. But then God said, Mo, you messed up, bro. You, you misrepresented me to my people. You angry with them. I'm not angry with them. But now they think I'm angry with them because of how you represent. So now because you did that, you can't go into the promised land. That's the punishment. And it seemed harsh and it seemed like, man, that's that's heavy. You know, like you can't go. But God said, no, you can't go. Now, Somebody might think it's unfair that God would bring them up and say, you get to look at it. Some people may think it's gracious. And I think Moses got there and said, maybe because one of, you know, we know God is merciful. And I think Mo got there and said, maybe he's going to let me go in after all. We don't get the whole story here. But if you're writing notes or if you want to turn there with me, turn to Deuteronomy 3, 23 to 26. I think Moses got his hopes up when God said, go look at it. And he looked at it, and then he wasn't going to get to go in. But Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 3, and I'm going to read 23 to 26. I'll let you guys turn there. Just one book forward. It's a little bit ahead. When you get it, say, got it? So here it goes. This, this, is, a, this is a little extra filler in, in the story that we're reading now. It says, then I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, oh, Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. And the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. And um, and that was that. So he's recounting the story there in Deuteronomy. He said he told the people he was the Lord was mad at me on account of you people. He's still blaming them. Look, look what y'all did to me, you know, but he got there. He saw it. He said, maybe God's going to let me go in. And he said, Lord, can, can you please let me just cross and see the good land in, in Lebanon. And God said, God got angry. And God said, look, don't talk to me about that no more. Any parent here ever said that to your kid? Say something else about it. Mention it one more time. <laughs> that, God said, don't say nothing else about it, man. That's it. It's over. It's a done deal. We're not talking about this, you know. And that's what God said to him there. You, you're not going in. And so, um, you know, I just would point this out. Yes, God is merciful and he's loving and he's gracious and he's kind. But um, th- there is the there is a, that side of God that, again, people don't like to see it. But God is also uh, he, he disciplines. Right? God also has wrath. Um, God also has he's just. And so if God says that's you're not going. You're probably not going. You know, Moses, I, I, again, I, I understand Moses. Anybody here that's got somebody that, that's really merciful and you, you mess up and you're like, well, I know they're merciful, so let me just ask them to forgive me. You know, Moses said, maybe, 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 just maybe he'll, he'll let me go. And God said, no, you're not going, man. <laughs> it's a done deal. You, you won't be going in. So back to Numbers 27. He tells them, you know, after, after you see it, you're going to be gathered together with your people and as Aaron, your brother, was gathered, and um, I always point this out because that's, that's some Old Testament lingo. When, when you're going to die, it says you're going to be gathered to your people. But I always want to ask people, 
who are your people, right? Who are your people? If your, are your people non-believers or believers, right? Who, who are you united in faith with? Who are your people? Because when you die, you'll be gathered with your people too. And so hopefully we're all children of God. Hopefully we all have received Christ's forgiveness for our sins. Hopefully we're, we're his people and we'll be joined to his people. Um, but he tells them here, you're going to be joined to your people just as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. Verse 14 now. For in the wilderness of Zen, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hollow me at the waters before their eyes. Therefore, I'm sorry, before their eyes, these are the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zen. And so God reminded him of what he did, right? God said, Mo, you didn't hollow me before the people, right? And what does that mean? That means that to, to, to hold God as holy before the people. So you didn't do that. You made me look angry. I, you, you didn't reverence me. You didn't hollow me before them. You misrepresented who I am and what I am. And we just have to pause and remember how big of a deal it is to God, how we represent him. Everybody here represents God in some way. Uh, even if it's just that you're at work and people know you're a Christian, you represent the Lord. Do you do it well? Do you, rever- do you represent him? as? Is he hollowed before you? Uh, every parent here, we represent the Lord to our kids. Every husband represents the Lord to his wife. Um, if you're, you know, wherever you go as the people of God, we represent the Lord. If you're in spiritual leadership, even more, you represent the Lord. You stand before people in his name. And, and, and we need to be careful how we do that, that God takes it serious. Um, it's something I, 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 I work on this. I, I want to make sure I don't misrepresent God's heart to people, um, that I don't I don't make it seem like God is for something that he says he's against. And that, that's a scary thing today. You know, as you look in. In a lot of places where people are taking their liberties with the Bible and they're taking their liberties with Christianity and um, as the culture changes and evolves and becomes okay with certain behaviors, there are people that say, you know, God's okay with that now. Really? The Bible says that he changes not. I'm not playing with that. I'm, I'm not going to make God okay with something that I can read in black and white or red that he ain't okay with. I just got to say he's not okay with it. Even when it becomes culturally unacceptable, God's not okay with that. We got to get good at that in this day and age in which we live because people will press you. What do you think about this? I think what God says about it to sin. Stop it. That's what I think about it. That's, I, didn't, I didn't write it. You know, I didn't I didn't make it up. But oh, I don't have the liberty to change it. I don't have the liberty to kind of waffle with it. I can't I can't be confronted with the items of our day and then say, well, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't know what God would say. I know exactly what he says. He said, you need to repent of that or you're going to die and go to hell. That's what he says. I got to be faithful to that. You got to be faithful to that. Uh, that's part of representing him in the culture in which we live, right? We didn't make it up. We just learn it and share it in truth. And, um, you know, because just as damaging as it was for Moses to misrepresent to the people that God was angry when he wasn't, it's as damning to represent God as okay, with something that he's angry about, that he wouldn't be okay with. Um, that's just as damaging. One of them damages someone in, that they become standoffish and afraid of God, who you know they think is mad at them. The other one is damaging, and then people think, I'm going into sin, and God's okay with it when he's not. And then they die and stand before him and find out that he was never okay with that. And so we want to be careful how we represent God. Wherever we get a chance to represent him, we want to do our best. And so moving on now, look at verse... 15, it says, then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord God 
of the spirit, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Moses now knowing that he's about to die. Moses doesn't say, well, God, I, got, I, I know who I want to take over for me. He, he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, you're the God of all spirits and all flesh. You know everything. There's nothing that goes past you. And so, Lord, you, you set up a man over the congregation. Who do, who's your pick? And he doesn't choose for himself. He doesn't look around and see who he thinks would be a good choice. He goes right to the Lord who knows everything and says, God, you pick. Um, to you single people, um, I would say this. Uh, talking to my daughter and her roommate recently, and um, they got you know questions about relationships and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm on the, me and my wife are both, um, we cope, we parenting other kids in her little room. You know, we got, we got some, we done picked up a daughter. And, uh, but as we're having these conversations and going back and forth, you know, one of these are both young ladies. I'm like, hey, you, you want to let the Lord do the picking. Um, you don't want to look with your eyes and think with your mind and pick, because at best, we're all limited, right? Anybody here that's single and you're dating or you're going out with someone, there's a phase where you're only going to see their very best. I mean, just the very, very best. That I mean, that's what you're going to see. That's what they're going to put forth. I remember when I was dating my wife. Um, you know, we weren't dating. I mean, what were we dating? What were we dating? What were we doing? Uh, you know, you didn't know what we was doing yet. Anyway, when we was going out, um, you know, you know, there was a period where there was stuff. I was, man, I was working so hard. To, I was still newly saved, and um, so I was getting my language together. And I saw her react to somebody else cuss. And I was like, oh, God, help me, help me, help me. Please don't drop no bomb, not with her. You know, just, I was trying hard, you know. And, and she was seeing the best. I mean, the very best. There were things that, you know, I may take, I mean, we married 19 years almost now. There's some liberties I take. But back then, there was things that I just would never do in front of her. That I would now just, you know, oops. You know, I just do it anyway, you know. So, um, you just see the very best. That's what's presented. And so, it's so important that we seek the Lord about these things because, Maybe I only see what someone's presenting and it looks great. And but I can seek the Lord who knows everything. And God can say, nah, that's not you. I know it looks good, but that's not what you want to do. Okay. All right, Lord. Or I may be looking and saying, I'm not even sure. And the Lord said, hey, that's that's what I got for you. Roll. I want you to roll with that. But it's just wise to let God do the choosing because he don't make no mistakes. And if you let God do the choosing, Five years, 10 years, 15 years, how many years down the road, if you hit some bumpy waters, you can look back and say, well, God, this is what you called me to, right? No question. I'm not looking back saying, well, I, I did this. I look back and say, Lord, you, you said, you said, this is what you said, so I'm here. And I guess these bumpy waters, you with me in this because you called me to it and you roll it out with the Lord. So Moses does a wise thing here in saying, God, you pick. We need a new leader. I'm, I'm going to be gone. You just told me I'm about to die. And... I want you to pick the next leader. I just want to point this out as well. To a non-believer, you know, to someone that doesn't have the, the I guess, the peace of, you know, I'm going to go to heaven or I'm going to be with the Lord or I'm, I, I, just what's going to happen when I die. I just want you to note that Moses doesn't whine about the fact that he's told he's about to die. He doesn't go, oh, no, not now. Give me more time. You know, he just, he seems like he's okay with it. He's ready for it. You know, I've done what I've been given to do here. I'm good. You know, well, since I got to go, can, can, he's worried about the replacement because there's a big group of people that need to be led. And that's where his thoughts are at. And I've been with believers. I've been with saints that were just knew the Lord. I remember my very first uh, hospital visit. Not, it, wasn't, it wasn't even a hospital. It was a home visit as a pastor 
was to a, it was a Hispanic lady, an elder lady named Carmen. And she had had cancer. She had had a final treatment thing and they had just sent her home to die. And she called the church and said, you know, can you, I wanted to, she wanted a pastor to come pray for her, but she really wanted someone to come share with her young adult son who was at the house. And I remember this is my first house call. I'm like, man, the lady's got terminal cancer. She's going to be dying. I'm, I'm looking for verses. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to encourage this woman. Nervous. I'm praying all the way there, trying to get my, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to speak a word of encouragement to her. And I finally got my little verses together and I get to the house and I walk up to the door and the son leads me to the room and I sit there and talk to her. This woman is so full of grace and joy and peace. She ministered to me. I could have just shut my Bible and shut my mouth. She just told me, she's like, oh, it's been great. The Lord is so good to me. She said, she had a little Walkman tape player with worship songs. Like, I just listen to the worship and it just ministers to me. I'm not even feeling pain and I'm just preparing for heaven. I'm going to worship him in his presence. And she was just like, I'm ready to go. And she said, I asked you to come. I'm not looking for healing. I expect to, I'm going to go be with the Lord. I'm ready. But my son doesn't know the Lord. Would you go talk to my son? That's all she, I mean, and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, she just got told the hospital said, go home, you're going to die. And she says, I'm worried about my kid that's not saved. Could you guys go minister to him? I'm good. I, I mean, I left there so ministered. She ministered to me. I left there like she didn't have no fear of death. Um, she was full of joy, full of grace, full of peace. Um, and it just was like, wow, I, that's what saints can have. Right. We know we, we're, we're in his hands. Life and death, whatever comes, we're with him. And so. Moses is worried about who's taking over after him. Verse 16 and 17, let the Lord God of the, of the spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep, which have no shepherd. And again, his concern is that they wouldn't be out there. Sheep without a shepherd are messed up. They're unprotected. They don't get fed well. They can't get to water. All the stuff Moses has been doing for them. He said, they, they, need, they need someone to lead them. They need a spiritual leader. They need someone that's hearing from God, directing them. And so um, it, it's similar to, you know, you look at the, the New Testament pastoral calling and it's, it's, a, it's the same deal as a shepherd. You're feeding the sheep. When God restored Peter, he said, Peter, you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed them. That's what you're going to do. You're going to feed them. Teach them about me. Show them how to walk with me. Show them how to live with me. Tend them. Care for them. Love them in my name. And so he says they, they need a shepherd. That that's going to lead them, that they wouldn't be out here scattered like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 18, and the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. And God says, I'm a, Joshua's the guy for the job. Now, I got to point this out about Joshua. Where did Joshua come from and where has he been all these years? Right. Joshua has been for years Right there next to Moses in an, uh, a couple places, it, it named Joshua. It just says he's the, the assistant of Moses. He's just there helping out. He's been there kind of in obscurity. Nothing glamorous about his ministry or work that he's been doing. He's done some cool things, but he's not really celebrated in Scripture. He's not a whole lot about him. We know he was faithful. We know we got carried over him and Caleb. But he's been faithful to just be Moses' assistant for years and years. 40 years, he's been just Moses' assistant, serving alongside, helping him out. And now God says, you're the guy. And maybe some of you are looking for the Lord to raise you up to do something greater. Maybe you, you feel called to something more than what you're currently doing. Maybe there's something you're like, you're, you're reaching for, desiring or wanting. And, and 
maybe it's not happening fast enough for you. And I would just explain to you the example of Joshua as he was just faithfully, he was a faithful number two guy, faithful assistant. And then God said, boom, I got this for you now. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, He corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to Him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that He taught them are the same ones He teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for Him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what He's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that He was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the Teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.